Store Talks. Welcome to Stalk Talks with Zoe and Tom. The Stalks have been a part of the life in The Hague for centuries. Have you spotted one yet? Each week, Stalk Talks delves into a range of stories, news and anecdotes. And for the next hour, we'll take you under our wings as we discover the city of peace and justice. This is truly a special place to live and we invite you to tune in and discover it with us each Thursday between 8 and 9pm on 92.0 Den Haag FM. Last week, we brought you news about Brexit. We heard from the British group in the Netherlands about what you need to do if you are a Brit living here in the Netherlands. That means registering with the Dutch immigration services before the 31st of December. We also heard how the partial lockdown is affecting restaurants in The Hague and how they're adapting to takeout as opposing to sit-down meals. And this week, we'll turn to something that is close to my heart as a Dutch person, of course. It is, uh, of course, cycling. But I admit, I didn't know The Hague had a bike mayor, Zoe. But fortunately for me, you had the pleasure of speaking with this bike mayor. I did, Tom. Uh, we had a very interesting discussion about the role of bicycles uh, in a city or the lack thereof in the case of The Hague. Uh, so the bicycle is certainly my main form of transport. So I was surprised to hear that The Hague has a bit of a car problem, well, by Dutch standards. Too many cars basically in the center, not enough pedestrianized streets where bicycles and those on their feet can move without fear of cars. So this is something that Marcel and I discussed. Today, I'm speaking with Marcel Kleisen. Now, Marcel is the Fietsburgermeister, or in English, the bicycle mayor. Marcel, thank you for joining us today on Stalk Talks. Yeah, yeah thank you very much. It's great to be here. Uh, now, Marcel, I have to say, I had no idea that there was such a thing as a bike mayor, and I certainly didn't know that The Hague had one. Can you just tell us how the position came about and uh, why you chose to apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know about it and it's, it's, um, it's a new thing in the, in the world. Um, in 2016, we had the world first bicycle mayor and there was a, a lady in Amsterdam. Now I'm with more than 100 colleagues uh, worldwide. Yeah, that's very nice. And, and I started in, uh, in March. I applied for the job because it's my dream job. It's a voluntary job, but it's also my dream job because you are totally independent and, um, you write your program and you do a presentation of your program. And then the jury decides if you can be the new bicycle mayor of a city. Because I know you mentioned to me there were a number of applicants. So basically you were chosen on your particular project suggestion. Yep. So just tell us a bit more about this project. I know you explained mm -hmm. to me it involves children. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, my goal, uh, you are bicycle mayor for two years, and my goal is to improve cycling for children and make sure that there are more children are going to cycle in our city. And when, when more children are cycling, more parents and elderly people cycling too. So uh, I'm not living in the, in the Hague that long. When I came here, I saw that when you compare it to a lot of other cities in the Netherlands, not many children are cycling here. And I want to do something about it. Yeah, that sounds very important to me. Uh, I know you also mentioned to me, I certainly noticed when I moved to The Hague, that there seemed to be just the teeniest but less concern for <laughs> cyclists from motorists, from cars. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned to me that The Hague has the highest number of cars per square kilometer mm -hmm. in the Netherlands. Yeah. Is this something else? I mean, I, 
Also, if there's more children cycling, ultimately they'll grow up one day to hopefully continue to cycle. Mm-hmm. Is is this the plan? Uh, yes. There's a lot of things in in yes. my plan, which is uh, there are uh, more kiss and rides coming around schools. Kiss and rides, I, th- I think it's it's flew over from uh, from uh, from America from the states, mm-hmm. uh, where children uh, they brought to school by a car, and and schools facilitate it and it's like a spiral is that the english word a spiral spiral downwards because more people bring the the children to school then it's getting too dangerous by car then it's getting too dangerous to do it to cycle to cycle uh, around the school and so there are actually a lot of schools where that happens or around the netherlands but also in the hague so that's why i talk with schools and with parents and the children to think about solutions, how we could, yeah. we could do it else. What you also see is that around schools, there's so big traffic cars around schools. So that's what the city can do something about it to have not not big trucks anymore around streets, but around that are close to schools. To make it safe. To make safer it safer, and 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 especially all that people feel safe to go with a child and uh, on a bike on the street. Your perspective of safety is, is as important as ev- the reality. It is, yeah, the reality. And Interesting. what you see in, in The Hague when you compare it to other Dutch cities is that a lot of people don't feel safe on the street. You have to be uh, focused all the time. And so uh, there's really a lot to do for, for improving that. Uh, right. Do you think maybe it has something also to do with the fact that The Hague is a very international city? It has a lot of international organizations here. There are a lot of foreigners who live here, and mm-hmm. maybe they're even less confident on the bike. I do see expats and foreign people on bikes, but perhaps they don't feel quite as confident, mm-hmm. and that is then again a sort of a knock-on effect. You, you can compare maybe good with Amsterdam. There are also a lot of expats in Amsterdam, but they start cycling earlier because more people cycle there. And here's the culture. It's, here's a car culture. The Hague is in the Netherlands really a car city, car-centric city. And you see it also that the car can can go anywhere in the city center. Like there are a lot of um, when you compare it to other uh, European cities, the car cannot come to the city center anymore. It's pedestrianized. <laughs> yeah, or, pedestrianized. Or yeah, for bikes in Italy, in uh, in in France, but not here in the Hague. And, uh, that's not going that fast. That um, that cars go out of the city. So now, uh, why yeah. do you think the Hague has been slow in this respect? Because the Netherlands in general is very mm-hmm. pro. Bicycles, as we know. Yeah, the the culture in the Hague is quite conservative from the people who are living here for a long time. So I think that's part of the reason why. Yeah, and <laughs> so that's why we have to stand up, yeah. to really stand up together to uh, to to make it more safe, to to start cycling ourselves, and to bring positive solutions. And one thing what I want to do is. Um, Talk with the children about uh, what are good solutions for for it. So I have a, I have a program that I start uh, next month. It's called Bike Heroes. That every school has its own creates its own bike hero, um, and they, I, I want the ideas of the children to improve the cycling uh, city. So yeah. I think that's a that's a good starting point. Good way to start yeah. raising awareness, and I, I guess with parents that will then also be passed on. You hope to their parents. Yeah, and so it is, as you say, a bit of a sort of a, a cycle, isn't it? If you can change mm-hmm. the direction, yeah, uh, things might change quite dramatically. 
yeah, cycling in the city brings you so much. Yeah, it, it, I agree. Make, it make, it's good for yourself, for your own uh, safety, but also your feeling of freedom in the in the city. Hey, you you can cycle anywhere, and you can cycle Absolutely. to the beach, and it's uh, you don't have to think about parking or mm-hmm. anything. It's such a, a great way of living that you can cycle safe everywhere in the city, and we have to hold it, but uh, yeah, improve it. And the egg is not that bad, but you see a lot of streets. You see, okay, cars are parked ninety ninety. Six percent of of the time, so it's not efficient. No. Uh, so if we start thinking about sharing and mm. really share car, not not like snap car, but mm. really share cars together, uh, so then we can create more space for other things for for children and ourselves playing on the streets again and uh, making more safe, safe. Yeah, where well, we want to go. That's the dream. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm dream. I'm very much on board with that dream, Marcel. Thank you so much for joining us today on Stalk Talks. Yeah, it was great to, to, to be here. Thank you very much. I think one thing that I find very interesting about the interview, Zoe, is um, I'm not surprised that The Hague is... Or, I mean, it didn't surprise me when he said that The Hague is not a very bicycle-friendly city because I grew up in like a, a hometown where we used to cycle a lot more and indeed there were a lot more spaces and, and routes to cycle. I mean, um, thinking back to, for example, um, uh, uh, the summer on certain summer days, is that's when you really see that Hague is not a bike-oriented city with all these traffic jams happening all over the city for people trying to get to to, to the beach. I was going to say, you're thinking of the beach area because I have, yes, I mean, I have got to the beach and just seen cars and also loads of those little mopeds just everywhere. What One thing I love, and that's something that I think is very powerful, is that he says, I want to focus on making it more friendly for children. I think like... That really is sort of a unique sense of uh, coming together and exercise. And it, it fits very well in like a, a healthy lifestyle of cycling together and, and getting up, waking up as well. I, I must say, like, sometimes I would leave home still sort of sleepy. Sleepy is the best word. and But then arriving to school and then you've done some exercise and it sort of gets you ready to immediately absorb th- stuff that is coming at you, and which just isn't the same if you've sat in the car. That is fascinating, Tom. I mean, I didn't have the privilege of cycling to school as a as a young um, young person, but I can imagine if it's yeah, if the blood's flowing, and then you sit down and you're ready to to really engage. So yeah, I mean, I think I think it can only be a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I hope that uh, we can do a follow up interview when all of this plan has been successfully. Well, two years time. Let's see. You know, if all all the kids in the Hague are on their bicycles by then, that would be an amazing goal. I agree. Stork Talks. And and to close off, as always, um, one of my favorite segments, I think it has become sort of a standard uh, Tom's Kitchen or the hospitality segment, whatever you like to call it, but a segment that lies close to my heart. With Halloween coming up and with all the traditions and trick-or-treating, it is only, it is necessary for us and it is a pleasure to be talking about it. Um, so Halloween, originally it's a Celtic tradition and to explore the ins and outs of this celebration, I dove deeper into trick-or-treating. I had the pleasure of interviewing a gentleman from the Haagse Snoepwinkel, so it's a, a candy store, um, about trick-or-treating. In the interview, he explained not just what he thinks of trick-or-treating and Halloween, but also what he finds the magic of these candy-related holidays. Our candy store is uh, located on the Frederik Hendriklaan. It's located in the smallest shop building of the Frederik Hendriklaan. So you have 30 square meters, totally packed with the nicest candy and sweets. I started the candy shop seven years ago, and I must say it's a great success for the locals and, of course, also for the expats. 
So one of the famous holidays coming up related to candy is, of course, Halloween. How how do you experience Halloween as a as a candy store? Well, Halloween, it, it's yeah, a festivity uh, like extreme. Extreme. The the costumes are extreme. The people are extreme. Extreme, and the candy is extreme. But it's it's really something. Uh, what you see, it's it's living. It's a huge event. So I think what's interesting is is uh, Halloween and the Dutch have many other holidays as well. So in the expat community, I think the the last months of the year are filled with sweets to the yeah. brim with sweets. So you said everything is going to the extreme. What type of candy do we should we associate typically with Halloween? With Halloween, you have the, the terror eyes, you have uh, blood bags, you have uh, brain dippers, you have coffins with uh, puzzles in it with uh, skeletons, lollipops, uh, skeletons. It's it's enormous. So it's it's this wide variety and decor, and I'm I'm sure we're going to take some photos that people can find on our Instagram for this. Um, do you have a favorite, well, a favorite type of candy or a favorite thing in in the store related to to Halloween? I think the the brain dipper is uh, the, the the scariest at the moment mm -hmm. with the, the lollipop of a, a brain and then you have a bloody dipper uh, with it that makes it yeah special. And and what do expats say the first time that they enter this this small little thirty square meters of of candy store here? Well, in it's, the, not in the... only, it's not only expats. No, Everybody but... go like, wow, this is enormous. There's so much candy. What was your motivation to to start this candy store? Well, before I was in the uh, travel trade at a, a travel agency, and because of internet and everything, it was like, yeah, not spectacular anymore. So we decided to switch companies. Mm -hmm. So we went from yeah a travel shop to a candy shop. So do you do candy consultancy as well? Do you tell parents what to buy for their kids, or do you advise kids on what candy to buy when they come in? Children know exactly what they want. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to advise children. Uh, sometimes parents need to be advised, like, okay, this, maybe this is uh, uh, enough and it's okay like this. Mm -hmm. But mostly children, they know exactly what they like, what they don't like. What type of candy can they find in general in this candy store the whole year round? Of course, the typical Dutch candies, the, also the candy from the older days. Uh, so a lot of grandparents, they show their uh, grandchildren like, oh, this is from my uh, time when I was a child. We have a huge amount of uh, different types of uh, different types of uh, licorice. There's so much candy, lollipops, bubblegum, anything you are looking for, what you like, you will find it. And what would you advise to the people who are not sure whether or not to celebrate Halloween? I think, especially with children, it's it's good to celebrate Halloween because it's an event that's on the street. Mm -hmm. So trick or treat, ring a bell, and you know, there's the contact. Especially now with the coronavirus, the contact is in the street, and uh, parents can keep their distance. It, I'm going to ask a very controversial question, but do you have a preference of over one of the the holidays in this period, uh, Sinterklaas, Kerst, or uh, Sint Maarten? We spoke about earlier, or uh, Halloween? No, for me, uh, Sinterklaas, he's magic. Pure magic. But what what do you find so magical about this candy store? <laughs> well, experience it yourself. It's it's yeah. I think it's magic. Yeah. I mean, um, one one last question that I'm curious to ask is is um, how did people around you respond when you said like uh, um, I mean, as a kid, I think we all said sort of like I want to open my own candy store because I love candy. So how was it to to tell people that you've actually done something like that? Uh, well, mostly the the reactions were like, oh wow, cool. <laughs> So, and, and it's still, if people come in the shop and they go like, oh, this is great, you know, and the wow uh, factor is there. 
Have you also become like the favorite uncle? Like that, the, the fact who owns a candy store and brings candy to like the. Oh yes, for sure. <laughs> Not only only an uncle, but also my neighbor kids. <laughs> So if people want to go to a, well, uh, I'm going to say definitely a sweet adventure or really explore the candy store, where can they find more information about it? You can, well, the, the shop is located on the Frederik Hendriklaan house number 123A. We have, of course, our Facebook page, we have Instagram, and we have a website, and it's www.haags-snoephuis.nl. I want to thank you so much, Robert. This You're was welcome. a pleasure. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, I have to say, Tom, I was, I found it very interesting. Uh, I've never really, yeah, I've never spoken to the owner of a, a sweet shop, uh, but it is a special kind of shop and particularly for children. I was very interested to hear his comments about some of the best sellers. Uh, and I think he mentioned the brain dip, if I remember correctly, uh, which sounds horrific but i'm sure it's fun if you're 10 or 11 and you're trying to yeah you're trying to have fun with with halloween yeah i mean and i think it's also quite nice that he can make you know he can it's a going concern and he can make a business out of selling just sweets i mean what is uh what, what i liked is that he said he went from a travel consultant to a, opening a candy store and that's also where sort of the where i asked him said so so do you do consultancy sweet consultancy you know and then i i think that there it's 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 sort of a magical world that sometimes Absolutely. Um, i mean it's, it's difficult for me to say but i can imagine that if you grow up you sort of like i don't want to say you outgrow but you sort of People around you are not going to be talking about their favorite sweets anymore. People are not going to be talking about. No, I think it is something from the past. You're so, right. So it's to be able as an really as an adult to sort of dive back into that world, and and right. we had a lovely conversation uh, besides that as well, sort of about the magic of storytelling and fairy tales and and those type of things. So I think there's a certain charm to being able to, yeah, grow up, but at the same time live in this this magical world where uh, this childlike wonder where you can look around and be amazed by all the amazing things that are out there well we are talking of imagination we were just saying we wondered who came up with the ideas for some of these really weird and wonderful sweets that takes a lot of imagination uh, but also maybe we can finish off you can tell us i know you mentioned in the interview the traditional dutch sweets so what are because i don't think he actually told us finally but what are they for those of us who are not from the netherlands that's it's an excellent question i think if we specifically talk about sweets i would say like licorice licorice is oh, one of those right, things yeah, course, yes. yeah yeah and he uh, in his shop if you are going to visit he has a whole wall of licorice like a whole specific segment for licorice and i think they're I'm also familiar with the, I think it's called the Haagschopje or something. Yeah, a yeah, coffee sweet, that's true. Yeah. Like. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Haagschopjes, they are really yeah. like traditional to The Hague. Licorice is sort of universal in but the interesting story for the Haagschopjes for the, the listeners is actually that a Hagenaar or a person from The Hague, basically he would always come to a specific coffee place and he would drink uh, coffee, but he would put so much sugar in his coffee, like I, I don't know the exact amount, but let's say like eight or nine cubes or whatever. And then one day, basically, he he was in a rush and he forgot to yeah forgot to drink the coffee. And then because there was so much sugar in that coffee, it basically sort of caramelized and it became this like sweet this yeah yeah this this chunk of like coffee and and sugar. Yeah. And that's basically what became Hasselhoffius down the line. Yeah. Well, I like them. Yeah, it's it's a cute little story. It's a cute little story, and um, I think if you are living living in the uh, international community of the Hague, it it is worth to give it a try, and or if not uh, to for the flavor, to tell the story to someone else. I'm Tom, and I'm Zoe, and thank you for stalking with us this evening. 
next week on Stalk Talk. We'll focus on a new monthly theme of young and growing old with Boomer Anderson. He's a podcast host, TEDx speaker and private health consultant. We also speak with the woman who is leading the campaign here in the Netherlands against changed abortion laws in Poland. And if you are interested in any of these topics, then remember to check out our Instagram and Facebook pages for more information, uh, not just for the podcast, but also for our Facebook page where we do live segments like the one we did yesterday with uh, Wendy about Halloween. And I, I must say, like, it really was a pleasure, not just the, the dressing up, but I think we, we spoke. It was, a, it was a wide variety between a lot of information and simultaneously just a lot of fun. So remember to just check that out if that's something you're interested. We'll put the link in, a, in the show notes. Thank you for stalking with us this evening, especially after some of the new restrictions uh, that we're all adapting to. Please tune in again next week for more fun frolics and some interesting pieces of news right here in the city of peace and justice.